Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm your host, Mark Daly. It's Friday, that means it is time for another Formula One race weekend. FP1 for the Russian Grand Prix at the Sochi Autodrome gets going in just over two hours as I sit here in the studio right now. Of course, you guys are downloading this a little bit later. Unfortunately, this isn't live, but still, I'm sure you're just as excited as I am to get uh, back to the racing. And can you believe it? We only have seven races left in the season. It's It's gone so quickly. It seemed like what with all the craziness going on out there with lockdowns and quarantines and pandemics and everything, it took so much longer to get the season going. Then we started going and the races came really, really quick one after another. And we're getting away from all these triple header weekends, which have been completely awesome for a, a fan's point of view. No, it's a lot of work for the people involved in in Formula One, of course. But now we get back to a sort of more of a normal uh, schedule where we have some back-to-back weekends and then we have uh, weekends in between when there are no races at all, which I hate. Uh, but still, you know, with seven races left, it's gone so quickly and... Uh, well, you know, sit back and savor it. The championship isn't officially decided, of course. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess we could make the argument that we might as well just give uh, Lewis Hamilton the, the, the championship uh, right now. But there are other guys out there that are in, intend to do something about it, whether or not they'll be successful. That is another question. But still, that's uh, what we'll talk about that and more on the show tonight. But uh, before we do, since it's been a couple of weeks uh, since that exciting uh, weekend that we had at Mugello for the Tuscan Grand Prix, let's just go down the, the World Championship uh, standings in, in both the Drivers' and Constructors' uh, Championships. On the driver's side, Lewis Hamilton on top, 190 points, uh, ahead of his teammate Valtteri Bottas in second, Max uh, Verstappen in Red Bull, 110 points, way back there. Lando Norris uh, for McLaren, and then Alex Albon in the second uh, Red Bull round out the, the top five. Alex uh, with 63 points points and you know in that midfield that sort of best of the rest drivers it's there there's a lot of guys fairly close in the championship unless you're poor old Sebastian Vettel who's languishing way down well I mean he's got 17 points now I mean that's uh, 13th what a terrible terrible year it's been for him of course uh, Charles Leclerc his uh, teammate doing a little bit uh, better but not that much better uh, Charles only 49 points in the in the champion uh, championship uh, right now only good enough for eighth I mean whoever thought we'd be talking about uh, Charles and uh, Sebastian Vettel in the positions that they are I mean what what a crazy year it's been and then over on the constructor side of course there, there's no surprises here i mean it's pretty much a par for the course of what we've seen for the past number of years mercedes on top 325 points red bull second in the constructors with 173 mclaren racing point and renault round out the top five and uh, renault the gap from renault to uh, ferrari not quite uh, 25 sorry 20 points 17 points uh, ferrari just on the outside looking in uh, with 66 uh, points uh, not even good enough for, for, for top five so anyways there we go that's as it stands right now of course it's going to change in a couple of days but i think at the top it's going to stay pretty much uh, status quo anyways uh, like i said there's a lot of news to 
cover. We uh, I, I hope you guys enjoyed the report card that I did with uh, with Mark Hamilton from Flash F1 uh, last week. You know, whenever Mark and I sit down and we we talk all the time away from the from from the show. I mean, uh, we're we're good friends away from the podcast. We talk Formula One and a lot of things uh, besides a lot of NBA, a lot of basketball. If you guys are into that as well, anyhow, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. I mean, uh, it was it turned out to be two hours. I mean, if uh, we didn't put a cap on it, we probably could have gone on for four or five. But uh, you know, even in an abbreviated season, there are so many things uh, going on, and uh, there's never any uh, lack of material to to talk about. Anyways, uh, I, I I appreciate all the messages and tweets that we got in emails. So it seems like uh, we struck a chord with uh, with a lot of you, and uh, you know, a, a lot of you uh, agree with us. Some 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 slight differences here and there, but uh, on on the major topics like Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, those, I think we all pretty much uh, see eye to eye, and uh, as well with the with the drivers uh, for those teams. Anyways, uh, let's uh, get into the news uh, for for this week. And uh, Ferrari ex uh, team principal Stefano Domenicali is going to become the new Formula One CEO. So Chase Carey, who's uh, been in that position and has been there for the past uh, couple of years, is going to uh, be stepping aside at the uh, the end of this year. He's going to have a revised role in 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 Formula One. But anyways, uh, Domenicali uh, has not uh, been officially confirmed by Formula One, but uh, the the teams were apparently in uh, where they they were the, the news was broken to them on Tuesday of this week. So like I said, uh, Chase is going to stay involved in Formula One beyond the end of this year in a somewhat uh, different uh, position. And then uh, Domenicali's uh, agreement, it still hasn't been finalized uh, with compensation and things like that, but it's uh, going to be uh, done very, very soon. Anyways, uh, he was team principal uh, at Ferrari between 2008 and uh, 2014, and he was uh, the sporting uh, director for the Scuderia from uh, 1998 to 2008, and he was uh, one of the key figures in that uh, run of six consecutive uh, constructors championships uh you know way, way back uh, 20 years ago when uh, they were on top and uh, Michael Schumacher was also winning all those uh you know drivers uh, championships and uh, you know it's kind of funny sometimes we, we we seem to think and you hear these things too oh Mercedes is ruining formula 1 all they do is win and uh, it's the same every year well Formula One t- tends to be cyclical that way, and uh, 20 years ago, people were saying exactly the same about uh, it wasn't Lewis Hamilton and, and Mercedes; it was Michael Schumacher and uh, and Ferrari. Anyways, you know, like I say, it, it tends to change over the years, but uh, you know, just to insert a different name and a different team here and there. But uh, anyways, that was uh, you know, as equally impressive as uh, Ferrari. I'm uh, sorry, Mercedes has been for the past uh, several years. So were Ferrari 20 years ago. Anyways, uh, after uh, he uh, resigned from Ferrari. Ferrari uh, back in the spring of 2014. Uh, Domenicali uh, joined uh, Audi as a uh, vice president of uh, new business uh, initiatives, and then he moved over to uh, Lamborghini in uh, 2016 as CEO. And uh, during his time uh, at Lamborghini, he also retained a role within uh, the FAA as the, the president of the single-seater commission that uh, he he took that role on in, uh, in late uh, 2014. Anyways, uh, so I, I think it is uh, very interesting. I mean, he's uh, one of uh, several uh, or a couple of uh, key figures from that uh, era for uh, Ferrari who now hold uh, top uh, spots in uh, in Formula One or the FAA. I mean, Jean Tote, who was a team principal uh, way back in the glory days of Michael Schumacher. He's uh, the, the president of the FAA. Ross Braun, of course, uh, he is the managing director of motorsports at, at Formula One. So it was very uh, interesting uh, to, to see how it goes. Anyways, uh, Ch- Chase has been, um, he's been the CEO and uh, that he's been there ever since uh, his deal was uh, finalized uh, in January of 2017. 
Green and took over from uh, Bernie Ecclestone after the uh, media, sorry, Liberty Media uh, bought him out. And Chase has done a number of uh, impressive things in the in the past uh, couple of years. I mean, uh, for me, the biggest has to be the new Concord Agreement, uh, which comes into effect uh, for 2021, goes to the end of uh, 2025. Got all 10 teams to, to sign on to that. And, uh, you know, in the middle of, a, you know, the, the biggest global economic crisis that uh, that we've seen in a long time brought on by the COVID uh, pandemic. I mean, that is uh, is something. And the fact that it was uh, agreed to, uh, you know, relatively quickly and without uh, the, the usual or traditional drama that we've uh, seen over the years and decades. Also, the cost cap is, uh, is another one. And uh, he's uh, brought on uh, a number of new races, including Vietnam and uh, reviving uh, the, the Dutch Grand Prix. And then, uh, you know, also this year, again, in, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, he was able to you know, save a season. And, uh, you know, way back uh, several months ago, we were thinking, OK, well, wh- what is the bare minimum that we need to get, uh, you know, to, to, to hold a world championship, uh, to, to, to make it official? And of course, uh, the uh, the magic number was eight. I mean, we got 17 races. And I think that is, uh, you know, absolutely a phenomenal, uh, the, the cost cap. So, I mean, Chase has done a, a lot of things, uh, very, very good things uh, for Formula One in a very, uh, you know, very short amount of time. And then uh, as Mark and I were talking about last week, I mean, there's uh, different things that we're seeing to attract uh, different demographics, different, uh, you know, newer fans to the sport. You know, they've got a completely different uh, approach to things like social media, F1 TV and all things like that. Uh, I, I think it's more dynamic. It's, it's, it's a lot more attractive, especially to, to, to younger people, because that was the thing that always kind of bugged me about Formula One. Uh, I, I, when it came to uh, Bertie Ecclestone, uh, he never really cared about things like that. And uh, I, I can't exa- remember the exact quote, and I'm going to sort of parse here, but he did say at one point that his ideal fan was uh, not, uh, you know, the, some young fan who doesn't really have any money, but, uh, you know, a 70-year-old guy that has a lot of money who's already, you know, he's got a, a ton of it has already made his mark in the world. Well, that that's great. I mean, that guy might have a lot of money, but compared to, you know, somebody who's in their early 20s or 30s or whatever, I mean, they're going to be a much longer term fan, don't you think? But uh, anyhow, uh, I, I think that um, Formula One has uh, definitely improved on a, a number of fronts. But uh, very interesting uh, to see that uh, Domenicali is uh, coming back into Formula One and going to be uh, taking on this uh, the, this uh, new role. Um, anyway, so we'll, we'll move along now. There's a uh, well, one of the, the the issues, and this, of course, was a big one, uh, the, the big crash that we saw in a very dramatic and incident-filled uh, Tuscan Grand Prix of Mugello a couple of uh, weeks ago, and that, uh, that that big crash that we saw in the start-finish straight after one of the, uh, you know, the, the, the safety car incidents, uh, that was uh, something else, and that really was uh, really, really scary when you think about it. I mean, uh, Carlos Sainz, Antonio Giovinazzi, Kevin Magnussen, and Nicholas Latifi were all involved in that uh, start line incident. I believe what, what was it now? Uh, there, was it 12 drivers? I think it was, uh, were all uh, reprimanded uh, for their incident or their, their part in that role. And I think that it's, uh, I mean, one, it's a, it's a testament to how safe Formula One cars are, but you don't really want to taste the, test the safety in that way. And I think that the fact that uh, only Carlos Sainz had uh, some bruising on his hand is, uh, is somewhat uh, miraculous. But anyways, uh, Gunther Steiner, the team principal at Haas, says that uh, Formula One should consider what you know the nascar style restart zone and i think that's uh you know really really interesting okay so uh for for those of you that aren't fans of uh, nascar they have a designated area of the track where the leader must start accelerating and uh, he feels that uh, could be a, a good 
good solution. I mean, Valtteri Bottas was actually uh, cleared uh, for any of uh, the, the role that uh, that he could have played in that, where it was a, a lot of uh, it was put to a, a lot of the guys further back in the racing order sort of uh, accelerating and 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 standing on the brakes and things like that. Anyways, uh, Steiner had to say, quote, the restart line was far down the strait of Mugello and some people obviously took a chance and tried to have a run at it. I don't think anybody did anything wrong. I fully agree with that one. It was just circumstances. Going forward to avoid uh, these things, I think we need to look at where to put the restart line and maybe also to think about a restart zone. I'm not an expert in these things, but other series do it like that to avoid these things from happening. Uh, I think it's uh, worthwhile to look into it, but I'm sure it'll come up on the agenda of the sporting working group, end quote. Yeah, so I, I think that is, uh, you know, a, a really good idea. And it, sometimes I think it's a little bit uh, kind of confusing. I think if you're not a fan of uh, Formula One, you don't understand how the the, the restart uh, is actually structured and how it works. It, uh, you know, it, it can be a little bit uh, kind of confusing. So, I mean, there's that that one side of it. I mean, the, 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 the safety issue has to be the most important. And I, I think that would be a, a very, very, very uh, good idea for them uh, to, to look at and uh, maybe uh, implement uh, something like that. So the GPDA, the Grand Prix Drivers Association, has written a letter to Formula One uh, race director Michael Massey, and uh, they've actually asked them how they can actually improve the safety car restarts uh, You know, in, in the aftermath of that big crash at uh, Mugello. Um, they're going to discuss it at the driver's uh, briefing at, at Saatchi uh, later today, and then also at the GPDA meeting that uh, that will take place uh, after it. So uh, Roman Grosjean, who is the, the, the director of the Grand Prix Drivers Associated, uh, Association and is a co-director, uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, they, they talked through the, uh, the the whole incident with uh, their, their, their president of the GPDA, uh, Alex Wirtz, who's also a former Formula One driver and uh, one of their legal uh, representatives uh, before they uh, actually uh, wrote this letter and issued it uh, to, to Michael uh, Massey. Um, anyways, uh, Grosjean said that uh, that he had uh, some uh, some discussions with, uh, with the people involved on the GPDA side and the the uh, well I mean fittingly and and very uh, you know contemporary of them in <laughs> in their GPDA WhatsApp group you know can I get in on that uh, anyway so so afterwards uh, they did decide to uh, write that letter uh, letter to Michael Massey uh, to to find out uh, what they well well first of all to convey their concern about it and also to find out uh, what they can do to to make it better and implement uh, some uh, so, some solutions uh, so Grosjean said quote I don't think there was anything standing out in Mugello in terms of restarts. Uh, it was a lot of small things that led to a big crash at the end, but maybe a few tweaks and some of the rules could possibly help. Uh, and that's what we wanted to discuss to avoid such a scary moment. And I guess we uh, were kind of lucky with everything that we didn't end up with someone being hurt because it was quite a high-speed crash and also a car flying into the fence, uh, which uh, could have been a bit naughty. End quote. Well, that's an interesting uh, way to, uh, <laughs> to put it. Uh, anyways, um, uh, Kevin Magnuson, who's also, uh, of course, uh, Grosjean's uh, teammate uh, at Haas F1, uh, he was one of the, the, the four drivers that was actually uh, knocked out of the race uh, as a result of the crash. He also uh, has called for uh, you know, a look or an investigation or whatever you want to call it into the, the, the safety uh, aspect of uh, restarting a Formula One uh, race in such a manner. Anyways, uh, K-Mag had to say, 
quote, uh, I was reacting to the car in front of me, the car in front of me was reacting to the guy in front of him and all the way down, and everyone is trying to react. At the end of it, someone gets caught out and can't react, and so that causes the accident. I think it would be good to, to look at how we do these restarts so we can avoid accelerating and then braking again, making sure that once we accelerate, then that's it for good. I don't know what the solution could be, but it would certainly be uh, worth looking into if we can make it safer, end quote. So absolutely, uh, I, again, uh, safety has to be the number one priority when it comes to, to Formula One. Anyways, uh, time for a, a break here on the Overtime uh, Media Network. And I want to talk to you about uh, our sponsor for the show today, and that's uh, My Bookie. And winning season is back at My Bookie. And that means doubling your first deposit. Winning season also means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At My Bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting on live sports all season long. So, of course, the NFL has returned, and that means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. So get in on the action by using my promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. New players can get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. So once again, use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, but only at my bookie. And this month, Overtime is going all in for our listeners. We're going to give away $500 cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. So when you make your first deposit at MyBookie, take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. And once again, that's $500 given away at the end of September. All right, well, welcome back to the show, and Total Wolf should get out of uh, Mercedes uh, right now, according to uh, former team owner and team principal, uh, Eddie Jordan, and uh, this is uh, a little bit to, to do. Uh, Jordan was uh, commenting on the fact that uh, Total was still uh, negotiating a new contract to Mercedes that is going to give him a more senior uh, position within uh, the organization, and he's still going to have uh, his responsibilities as team principal, but the, the new role and the new changes in his uh, position there would actually allow Total a, a little bit of a freedom so he wouldn't have to commit and, and, and go to attend uh, races in person as, as much. I mean, he said as much uh, just uh, just only recently that it uh, certainly is uh, something that's been wearing on him. And it's uh, it's obviously a big uh, commitment uh, of time. So th- there there has been some speculation over what uh, his uh, his uh, future with the team might be. Um, there, of course, uh, he invested in, uh, in Aston Martin, which uh, he said that was purely a, a personal thing thing. But then there's also been, uh, and well, uh, Jordan said that uh, Mercedes sponsor and partner Ineos is about to to, to buy the team. This uh, story has actually been uh, rejected uh, by by Toto. And uh, it is possible that Ineos may actually take on a, a minority stake uh, ownership in, uh, in Mercedes instead. Instead, pardon me. Anyways, uh, EJ said that uh, he said that even though there is uh, some stuff uh, swirling around Ineos at the moment, he, he actually thinks that uh, this is just uh, the, the perfect opportunity for uh, Total Wolf to actually just make a clean break of it and actually get away from uh, from, from Mercedes right now. Anyways, uh, he was uh, speaking to Ziggo Sport and he said, quote, the only thing that uh, I was really sure about is that Ineos will buy the team and for sure in that package with the people of uh, Mercedes and particularly the new chief executive. It is a well-known uh, fact that Ola Kalinios, uh, who is the new CEO and the chairman of the group, has had some issues with uh, Toto in the past. And as you know, Toto, to be very honest, he is right up there with the likes of Frank Williams is, the Ron Dennis's, and all these guys, you know, he's uh, being sensational. So it's uh, time that he moved on himself, end quote. 
Um, well, you know, that's uh, that's very interesting. Uh, he did go on to say, quote, I'm sure he's getting tired of the situation. He's won of all these championships. And he's created a myth around Lewis Hamilton and indeed the team. In life, you've got to remember that there is a very good time to get out and there's a very bad time to get out. And a very good time for Toto is now. If uh, it was me and I was his advisor, I would say, quote, get the hell out of there, please, Toto. Take the money off the table. It will never get as good as this in the future, end quote. Well, you know, there, there's a couple of things there. And number one, yeah, it's it's never going to be as good as it is right now uh, for, for Mercedes. I mean, they've won every world championship in both the drivers and constructors since uh, 2014. They're absolutely on top of the uh, the, the sport of Formula One. Uh, they're completely dominating. They are the team that everybody wants to be. They have the everybody wants to drive. And what that they've done over the, you know, the, the course of the past uh, number of years is absolutely incredible. So, I mean, it, it will come to an end at some point. That is just a fact. Uh, it, 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 it can't stay this way forever. I mean, uh, it just, uh, we, we've seen it uh, happen, uh, in the past. We, you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier about, uh, how Ferrari was the, the dominant team 20 years ago in Formula One. So these things uh, do come in cycles, but right now they are on top and there, there is no clear direct, uh, threat to, to them at the moment. I mean, Ferrari came close over the past uh, couple of seasons and for reasons, Reasons uh, we've uh, been talking about quite a bit on the show recently. Obviously, Ferrari is not in that position right now. Red Bull is close, but not quite close enough to to really push uh, Mercedes on a consistent uh, and, and regular basis, like uh, Ferrari had done uh, over the past uh, couple of years. And it, it, it basically, I can see the the point that he's making. If uh, you know you're going to walk away now, uh, do so when you are absolutely at your your, your pinnacle. I mean. <laughs> Having said that, this could go on for several more years before another team really gets their act together and uh, and can really uh, challenge them. Who knows what the future is going to bring? I mean, we're going to have a, this season and next season where we're we're basically having developments on the 2019 cars, and then it's not going to be until 2022 that uh, we're going to see the, the the brand new formula. And then then over time, we're also going to see the, uh, the the effects of the you know the the, the new Concord Agreement and the cost cap and all those uh, different things like that. So I guess. You could say that the that the indicators are maybe there. I think it's interesting that uh, that uh, you know Jordan seems to have an inside line, or so he thinks, on the fact that um, uh, Mercedes is going to be uh, bought outright by Enios uh, very very soon. That uh, that that is interesting, even though that seems to have been resoundingly rejected by uh, by by Toto. So who knows? I I. I've... If it were me, and of course, uh, th- this is very, very easy to say when when you're on the outside uh, looking in, but when you have that, uh, you know, all the su- success uh, under your belt, and you're on the the, the, the verge of uh, becoming uh, or, or signing a new deal that gives you a bit more flexibility in your job to travel less and still do the, all the things that you do, you know, why would you want to walk away from that at the, at, at this point? Uh, to, so to me, I, I, I can see it on one point, but on the other hand, it's uh, it doesn't really, it doesn't really hold a lot of water with me. And so, anyways, the the one person who ultimately knows this, of course, is uh, is Total Wolf himself. But I mean, all the indications that his he's given is that uh, you know he still wants to stay with the team and uh, continue what he's doing. Otherwise, uh, I mean, why would he be uh, negotiating a, a new deal? Anyways, uh, Eddie Jordan, uh, he was had plenty of things uh, to say. He actually feels that uh, Hamilton should leave a uh, Mercedes. So I think he's uh, pretty much uh, you know in, in the camp of gutting the, uh, the, you know, the the big guns out of Mercedes and moving them on. 
and uh, get Lewis to move over and join uh, Max Verstappen at Jordan. Uh, I mean, uh, par- pardon me, at uh, <laughs> completely mixed up, uh, to join uh, Max Verstappen at, uh, at Red Bull. Uh, anyways, uh, he actually thinks that it would really be a- an interesting and fascinating uh, you know, uh, combination between uh, Hamilton and Verstappen. I've said this uh, before, too. I mean, it- it's one thing to have Lewis in the Mercedes and, and Max in a-, a Red Bull and then, say, a Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari. It would be uh, it would be fascinating to watch these guys if they all had the same uh, uh, machinery. So why didn't he say, well, you know, why can't, uh, you know, Max uh, go over and join uh, Hamilton at Mercedes? Well, I guess that's a little bit uh, different. Anyways, um, I guess it's it's got more to do with the fact that uh, that Lewis, he's also very much uh, like Toto. He's uh, He doesn't have a deal with the Mercedes uh, for next year. He's re- uh, ne- ne- negotiating something or will. I mean, he's, uh, he said a number of times, there's no priority to, to do it right now in the season. They can get it done later in the year. Uh, anyways, uh, in, in the same interview with the uh, Dutch uh, channel uh, Ziggo Sport, uh, Jordan had to say, quote, I personally believe that Lewis should go to Red Bull and not to Ferrari. I'll tell you that, that it is perfect because the best young driver of all uh, Formula One at the moment is Max Verstappen. There's no question about it. His style, his speed, his intellect, his control on the track, also his arrogance and the Grand Prix winners and Grand Prix champions need a level of arrogance. That is obvious and he has that. Whether he got it from Yas or whatever, I have no real idea, but the facts uh, are that he has an unbelievable talent, and I, what I believe is he has a teammate like Lewis Hamilton, then I do believe he would also be able to beat him, end quote. Well, you know, th- that is interesting. Uh, I mean, uh, like I was saying just now, it would be something to see all these guys in the in, in the same uh, you know uh, machinery, the same equipment, and see how they could go head to head. I mean, the thing is that we've seen with Max is, and I've said this a number of times. I really feel that that he's a guy that is able to 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 push the car that he has beyond the limits that that he has. I mean, he's clearly much further and, and better than uh, than his teammate uh, Alex Albon. Because I mean, while he's miles ahead of his teammate, he's still tantalizingly close to the Mercedes, but not quite close enough in in most uh, circumstances. I mean, you know, he he did very well, of course, and took full advantage of the the, the situation at both races in Silverstone and got. A win out of one of those races uh, because the issues that uh, that that Mercedes were having with the with the tires and the graining and punctures and all that. I mean that was uh, that was uh, quite something. But still, I mean. To see him and Lewis in the same team, and it's and it's not going to happen. I mean, uh, we we've sort of been down this road a little bit already because uh, earlier this year, when uh, it was made known that uh, Vettel wasn't going to be going back to Ferrari, there was a lot of speculation that a natural place for him to go would be go back to Red Bull, where you know, of course, he won four world championships, and uh, Christian Horner, team principal at Red Bull, basically, uh, you know, he he dismissed that idea, saying that uh, that they they just couldn't afford the salary of a driver like uh, Sebastian Vettel. So, I mean, you you can. Uh, look into that and kind of uh, you know e- extrapolate that statement a little bit further because if they can't afford the, the the salary for Sebastian Vettel could they therefore afford the salary of um, of Lewis Hamilton and I think that the the obvious answer there is no however I mean if the situation came up would they be able to secure funding through sponsors or wherever internally in their company I mean who knows I mean that, that that's always a, a possibility uh, I mean I who, who's to really say one way or another. I mean, uh, it, it could happen. However, I, I just don't see it as a, as extremely likely. I mean, I would love to see these guys go uh, head-to-head uh, more often. 
And, but, you know, the, the thing is, too, that uh, perhaps uh, Jordan has overlooked that, uh, you know, Max is, you know, he's he's quite headstrong. Uh, and I, I think having these two guys in the same team, be it a Mercedes or be it a Red Bull or whatever, I think that there there would be a potential for, you know, fireworks there. I mean, that we, we've we, we've seen some head to head combat, uh, you know, between these guys over the years. But just the fact that Mercedes is just that much better than Red Bull is it doesn't really happen on, uh, you know, a consistent and regular enough basis. It's not weekend in, it's not weekend out. Uh, Max has obviously had his moments and he's won races uh, here and there over the past uh, number of years. But uh, to to put them in that uh, same team, I I just get that vibe that that could become really, really nasty because, uh, you know, Max is not a guy that backs down uh, from anyone. And if you think that uh, that, that Hamilton and Rosberg was bad, and uh, I mean, Rosberg had his moments. He he certainly by no means was, uh, you know, on the same level as Lewis Hamilton, but he was closer to Hamilton than than I think Valtteri Bottas is. And uh, we, we saw with all the incidents that uh, that Ham- Hamilton and uh, Nico had over the years, uh, you know, that <laughs> there was had too many kind of comings together and accidents and tire punctures and things that we saw when these two guys, uh, you know, clashed on the track. And, and that was a very, very bad situation when, you know, I mean, Nikki Lauda and Total Wolf and all the brass and Mercedes said that it actually came down that it it was as bad that they would actually rescind the contract of one or both of those drivers if it didn't uh, didn't improve. I mean, ultimately, it was I, I think uh, that situation was solved, uh, you know, easily. Uh, I guess by uh, you know uh, Rosberg's uh, shock retirement after he won the championship back in in 2016. But I could really see fireworks uh, like that uh, in, in a team if you had a, a Lewis Hamilton and uh, and uh, and Max Verstappen. Sure, it would be great to see these guys racing and, and fighting it out in uh, identical uh, equipment. But I think uh, it could be uh, really, really. Uh, <laughs> it's got the potential to be uh, quite. Uh, quite something fireworks at uh, at the very least anyways uh, honda's uh, made some uh, changes to their engine after the the, the issues that uh, max had at uh, mugello and uh, monza over the past uh, couple of races i mean he retired from from both races uh, he didn't actually uh, score any points uh, so i mean it wasn't like he was closing the, the the gap to lewis in the championship at the top there uh, you know like really really quickly but i mean he was uh, he was sitting there nicely and comfortably in second and the, and that has uh, become what a little bit uh, shaky of what with two DNFs over the past uh, couple of races, and it was really dramatic at the uh, at uh, at the Tustin uh, Grand Prix when he got off the line and uh, quickly uh, lost power. I mean, he had a great start at Mugello, but uh, quickly lost power. And then you know before the the lap was even half a lap, or sorry, the race was half a lap old. Uh, Max was in the gravel, and uh, that was done. So, anyways, Honda's made uh, changes to their electrics and also the software of their engine to uh, to avoid any uh, repeat uh, problems uh, from the past uh, couple of uh, races. Um, anyway, so, so Honda's actually spent a lot of time uh, investigating what uh, went wrong at those uh, two events, and uh, they came to the conclusion that the, the, the problem wasn't uh, related to the main uh, components of the engine, including the MGUK and the MGUH, and uh, they've, they've actually concluded that uh, they think it's a combination of issues uh, relating uh, to the electrics and the, and the software came together in a bit of a, a perfect storm to, uh, to, to cause uh, the, the, the problem. So uh, we'll see whether or not they get that sorted out uh, for this weekend. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. We're going to stick with uh, with Red Bull uh, for a little while uh, longer. And uh, Alex uh, Albon is uh, he's trying to avoid any speculation and discussion on his uh, his uh, his position at Red Bull in the media uh, because he says he avoids reading the media because he doesn't want to be distracted basically about all the the, the chatter and discussion about his uh, future with the team. And I think uh, you know we we really talked about it last week on the show just the results uh, compared uh, you know to to Pierre Gasly in twenty. 19 and Alex Albon in 2020 through the first half of the year very very similar type of performances but uh, you know it's fascinating where Gasly struggled last year in Red Bull we saw uh, Alex Albon uh, really do well at Toro Rosso you know now fast forward a year the positions uh, are switched we're seeing Alex Albon struggle a little bit at Red Bull and uh, and and Pierre Gasly is doing quite well at uh, at AlphaTauri which is of course is uh, this year's uh, renamed of uh, of uh, of Toro Rosso, uh, anyway. So so of course there are going to be those uh, discussions because you know uh, well Red Bull has done it not once but twice and has uh, made a mid season uh, drivers change and of course they'll never anybody will make that discussion that switching Kvyat for for Max Verstappen was a bad idea but. As uh, we've seen, uh, you know, with this uh, Gasly and, and Albon situation, the longer that this kind of goes on and uh, where, you know, one uh, continues to uh, do well where the other one uh, struggles, of course, that discussion is uh, going uh, to, to be had. Anyways, uh, Alex says he's not really worried by a lot of the negative uh, speculation and uh, discussion that he should be uh, replaced uh, by by Gasly. And he said that uh, he really has faith uh, in in, the, in his team, that they're going to support him. And also uh, he has the support of uh, Christian Horner and also the, the big boss at uh, Red Bull uh, Racing, uh, Helmut Marko. And he had to say, quote, I don't look at the media. I know there's always going to be talk about it. It's a hot topic for you guys. You just have to move on for, uh, from it. My trust and confidence comes from speaking to Christian or whoever or Dr. Marco personally, and I feel a lot of support from both of them and from the whole team as well. Certainly, I'm relaxed. I know I need to improve. I want to improve, and I'm keen, and I'm motivated to, to do that. So with all the support from the guys around me, I'm happy to, with where I am in the team, and it's uh, more you could say that the media creates the noise, end quote. So yeah, I mean, fair enough. Uh, you know, In the media, things tend to get uh, dragged up and, or discussed, and, and, uh, and of course, I mean, it's a hot topic, and, uh, and why wouldn't they? I mean, it is a legit and a fair discussion uh, to have and uh, where he may struggle and and Pierre Gasly, you know, continues uh, to do well. I mean, he won a, a Grand Prix just a couple of uh, weeks ago at uh, at Monza, the Italian Grand Prix. Of course, it was uh, it was a bit of a unusual circumstance. Uh, what with, uh, you know, safety cars and red flags and all the well, uh, you know, all the things uh, going on in, in that race, uh, just like we saw at Mugello. And then, of course, on top of that, uh, what with the, uh, you know, the the the, the pit lane being closed and uh, Lewis Hamilton getting a a 10 second penalty 
it was really extraordinary uh, circumstances. But I don't want to take that away, take anything away from uh, Pierre Gasly because I mean he did very very well after the restart, especially at the end there. He did exceptionally well to fight off uh, Carlos Sainz. If that race went a couple laps uh, longer, who knows? Maybe Carlos uh, might have been able to, to pass him. But you know, like I say, I think that uh, it's a legit uh, discussion uh, to have, and uh, until he finds his groove and is uh, maybe able to close the gap, uh, you know, closer to his teammate uh, Max Verstappen. And 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 uh, and 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 be more of like a uh, make that partnership uh, of uh, Albon and Verstappen more like Ricardo and Verstappen was a couple of years ago. Then of course uh, these discussions are are going to continue. So you know <laughs> I guess now is the uh, you know the, the big question is okay is his uh, position safe or but you know when when you hear other things that uh, he feels like he's got the support of the team and uh, the discussions that he's had you know is that sort of like the uh, you know, what do you want to call it? Uh, you know, the kiss of death almost, <laughs> you know, he's almost, uh, you know, it could be a go quite the other way, but who knows? I mean, he's still a young driver, but ultimately he's going to be judged on results. And, uh, the one thing I do know is his position may be okay and safe for now, but it definitely won't be in the long term if he doesn't uh, start to, uh, you know, pick it up and uh, start delivering. Regardless if, uh, you know, he's, he's matching max for speed here and there on different parts of the track or is faster than him, ultimately it comes down to what he's doing, where, where he finishes on the race, and he needs to be scoring more points. Certainly he should be higher up in the race order. I mean, if, if Max is, uh, you know, regularly on the podium, then uh, the, the expectation, I'm sure, internally uh, from, in, in Red Bull themselves as well. If Max can do it, if he's got a car that, uh, that that's getting him on the podium, why aren't you there or thereabouts uh, as well? Anyways, uh, just uh, moving, uh, taking a bit of a sidestep and sticking within the Red Bull uh, organization, uh, Pierre Gasly says that AlphaTauri has big ambitions to match uh, the, the the big team of uh, Red Bull Racing. And uh, this is very interesting because I think that, that uh, you know, uh, we're seeing AlphaTauri really punch above uh, their, their uh, weight and that they're doing some very good th- things there now. And there, there's a bit, I think, of um, obviously a, a big difference in the, the two drivers that they have there. I mean, uh, Gasly, he showed what he had in Formula One. Uh, or his talents as a driver uh, prior to moving to uh, Red Bull. I think what with the whole situation of Danny Ricardo going to uh, Renault kind of forced their hand a little bit and maybe had to bring Pierre Gasly up into that uh, that that big team a little bit uh, earlier that was uh, maybe uh, good for both of them. And he certainly did look uh, like he was over his uh, his head. Anyways, I mean, he's back now at uh, AlphaTauri. He's been there again almost uh, for, for a year. And uh, it, it is interesting to, to see that, you know, what this team is actually doing. They've, they've obviously got a, a decent, a good power unit in the Honda in the back of that car. And uh, anyways, uh, Gasly says that uh, he, he actually feels that uh, that that the team is in, in a much different, in a better uh, position than uh, when they were, you know, where they were in, in the past. And he had to say, quote, there's a qu- uh, clear will and a lot of ambitions coming from AlphaTauri, I think is a different situation to Toro Rosso Red Bull and how it was b- before. I think uh, the project is exciting. As I said, at the moment, the Red Bull team is clearly the top team of the two but I think the ambition of AlphaTauri is to at some point match their performances and this means we also need the resources and have bigger facilities to have this sort of thing end quote so you know it's uh, interesting uh, yeah maybe that they they, they 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 have these ambitions but again it comes down to how much money they have how much they're, they're going to be able to put into it and, and develop the cars and design them 
But who knows? We are going to go shortly into a brand new uncharted uh, area of Formula One as the as the cost cap comes in. Teams just can't come in and spend whatever they want uh, anymore. Like there, there's uh, there, there's no tomorrow. I mean that this cost cap is going to be steadily uh, decreased over the next uh, couple of years. And it's really going to be interesting to see how that levels the playing field, if it does at all, and see if that, you know, you know, evens out the performance. Are we going to see a team like Alpha Tauri, even though they're within the same organization or the, the, the same, I guess, parent organization of Red Bull? I mean, they are two separate teams. They're based in different, uh, different places and they are two completely uh, different cars. And, uh, well, I mean, apart from the, 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 the Honda engine in the back. So that uh, definitely. Definitely is going to be one of these uh, storylines to keep an eye on once we go into the new era of uh, Formula One. Okay, well, uh, moving ahead, uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit now about, uh, well, actually a lot about uh, Racing Point. And uh, Sergio Perez uh, said that he's actually disappointed that uh, now that his uh, departure from uh, Racing Point slash Aston Martin has uh, been confirmed at the end of the season, he's uh, he's disappointed that the team is starting to hide things uh, from him. Uh, so, well, uh, of course, uh, we knew uh, just uh, before the Tuscan Grand Prix of Mugello a couple of uh, weeks ago that uh, Perez would uh, be leaving what well, was Sebastian Vettel uh, signing a contract uh, to go there for 2021 and uh, now so uh, Perez uh, currently he's the guy that uh, doesn't have a, a seat uh, to, to go to uh, next year and he's still uh, looking at his options uh, to, to stay in the series in, uh, for, for next year so of course he, he's been at uh, a racing point uh, and, and Force India as it was uh, when he joined the team uh, back in uh, 2014 and uh, actually he was um, he actually helped to restructure his contract and things like that, which which helped save the team and allow uh, Lauren Stroll and his consortium uh, to, to come in and, and take over and buy the team uh, a couple of years ago in 2018. Uh, so, of course... Um yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, uh, of course, you can make that, uh, you know, there's always going to be that discussion. Well, you know, these things happen in pro sports. It's tough, but that's life. Yeah, you know what, that that that's fair enough uh, to say that. But uh, for, for a guy like uh, Sergio, I mean, he's kind of gone a little bit of, uh, above and beyond the call of duty uh, for what he's done uh, at, at this team. So it is a bit uh, difficult. So, I mean... It, it, it is a rough uh, situation, and I, I can imagine that you know he's been that guy. He's been a good team guy, not not just uh, from the point that uh, that you know he did what he needed to to, uh, to do to help kind of you know help uh, align everything for that takeover for you know for, from Stroll a couple of years ago. But still, I mean, he's always been a good team guy there, helping uh, to develop the car. I mean, he's had some good performances as well. Uh, anyways, uh, Sergio had to say, "quote We are focusing on the eight races ahead. It's going to be so crucial that we uh, deliver every single point." Is very very important for the Constructors' Championship. Uh, we can still have the best season in our history. If we manage to finish third, I think we're all going to be very disappointed if we didn't get that third place in the Constructors' Championship. Obviously, since the, the news came out, some people inside the team tend to hide things, which I don't think is great. I think at the moment, we just have to, to be as transparent as possible to make sure we can achieve our goals and make sure we can score as many points as we possibly can, end quote. So yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a guy that's, uh, that, that's looking at the immediate future and knows that. Uh, that his time with the with the team is obviously coming to a, to a close. I mean, we we just got a couple of months uh, left in the season now. I mean, uh, season ends uh, middle of uh, December. 
So, I mean, he's obviously looking to the future and he he may obviously not end up uh, with a you know a team that is uh, currently in a good uh, position, a strong position as 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 Racing Point is. And they've you know, they they've been in a bit of a, a no man's land for the past uh, couple of years. Uh you know, they they were slowly I mean, they weren't in a great position where they went when Stroll's group uh, came in. I mean, they, they'd obviously, uh, you know, uh, sunk down the order. I mean, they, they'd always done a little bit more with, uh, with a lot less compared than the other teams. But it was quite noticeable in 2018 through that first half of the season when uh, when Malia's uh, money had, was driving up or sorry, drying up. And uh, they, they just uh, they, they were slower and just uh, weren't as competitive and uh, as good as they were before. But once they got that injection of cash, uh, you, you noticed in the, the, the latter half of 2018, that uh, that that speed uh, what would we kind of uh, come to expect may not have been the same as it had been over the past couple of years but uh, there was a noticeable increase uh, you know uh, you know uh, improvement and increase in the performance of the car last year i think was a bit of an in between year in in 2019 their first uh, full year under the new uh, the, the new ownership and then this year of course you know they went a completely different year with different way of course we've had that uh, that whole pink mercedes and that whole uh, you know brake duct uh, you know uh, copying scandal thing uh, situation uh, behind us but this was like the, the first uh, year of the reboot and uh, certainly uh, you know they, they've really come a long way I mean to, to, to be where they are sort of that sort of bottom half of the running order and uh, and the hierarchy in Formula One to, to be potentially the best of the rest away from uh, you know uh, Red Bull and uh, Mercedes this year I mean that, that that is outstanding that is quite the achievement I mean I know that they've uh, you know they, they've taken a step back in terms of uh, performance of that car before they were able to, to, to figure out the aerodynamics and get it to work. Uh, you know, so the, the, the hard work that they put in is, is, is starting to pay off. And, uh, and certainly it would be really disappointing for, for uh, Sergio Perez to, to know that he's uh, leaving at the end of the year. I mean, it's going to be an improvement on where they've been regardless, but uh, I, I think the way that he's looking at it, he sees that third place is definitely within grasp and uh, to, uh, to, to fail on it uh, or, or to not achieve it would be, uh, you know, uh, very, very disappointing. But also just, uh, it's interesting too, you, you just uh, look down the, the the pit lane a little bit further and uh, just a, a little bit different uh, the the philosophies that you see uh, in in the Formula One teams you got Carlos Sainz he's uh, leaving McLaren at the end of the year to go over for to uh, Ferrari to place uh, replace Sebastian Vettel pardon me uh, McLaren said that uh, unlike Force India uh, sorry Force India Racing Point and uh, Sergio Perez McLaren they're not going to hide uh, or freeze uh, Sainz out of the the technical matters uh, for the, the 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 rest of the year even though uh, Sainz is leaving uh, to join uh, Ferrari for 2021. So that's interesting because uh, Andreas Seidel, who's the team principal at uh, McLaren, said, quote, at the moment, Carlos is still fully involved in everything we're doing here at the track and also back home. We clearly have the philosophy that that's the right way forward in order to get the maximum out of Carlos also. In the end, we share the same goals as here. He wants to get maximum points and results and the same is happening on our side. That is valid for us as a team. And to be honest, I think we will go ahead like this until the end of the season, end quote. So, you know, that that is is interesting the two uh, you know two positions that uh, both of these uh, teams have but you know like i say professional sports uh, can be rough and certainly uh, you know it can't be a pleasant situation for Sergio Perez uh, to be in anyways uh, time to take one final break here on the uh, the overtime media network don't go away we'll be back in just a moment 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Time to sh- start shutting it down. But before we do that, there's still quite a lot to, to talk about. Uh, just sticking with uh, Carlos Sainz and uh, Sergio Perez. And th- this is an interesting one uh, because Carlos Sainz says that he has been left, uh, what he says, uh, a little angry at the way that uh, Sergio Perez has uh, been uh, made to have uh, been forced out of racing uh, point uh, for Sebastian Vettel and just the, the whole uh, situation that uh, that he finds himself in there. You know, I find this a little bit kind of ironic because... Um, Sebastian Vettel, I mean, he was kind of almost forced out of a Ferrari in a, in a, in a similar way. I mean, it's sort of, sort of really, uh, I, I think it's interesting the way that the news is coming out about the way that uh, Perez is, uh, you know, found out about the way that uh, that uh, that he was leaving the team is very similar to the way that uh, that uh, this, uh, Vettel is leaving there, or was uh, found out about uh, the fact he wasn't going to be uh, offered a new uh, contract to come back to Ferrari next year, and he was out, and he's being uh, replaced by Carlos Sainz. That's why I find it's interesting that, uh, you know, uh, Carlos can see that. I mean, obviously he's sympathizing with a with a fellow driver, uh, which is which is cool. You know, I I totally get that and I respect that. But uh, you know, I, I do find uh, there is a certain level of irony there. Anyways, uh, science uh, had to say, "quote What Checo shows is that in F one, not everything is about your performance. Judging on purely performance, there is no reason why he should leave Racing Point, or they just don't want him. But in F one, there are other interests, uh, things that uh, come with performance that are very important. And for me, Checo's exit is a shame because uh, the the team that he uh, has trusted in for so many years and that he practically saved from bankruptcy and that they finally get uh, producing a good car for him as now the team that does not want to continue with him. It's a real shame. It makes me a little angry because I have a good relationship with him and I respect him a lot as a driver. It just reminds you that uh, this sport is like that and it gives you very little in return, but this is uh, one that uh, we have chosen to complete, compete and be professionals in and that you have to accept it, end quote. So there you go. It kind of uh, makes sense uh, that uh, you can see why he, uh, you know, he's he, he is angry. But like I say, the the the, the parallels between the way Science is going to Ferrari to replace Vettel is very similar to the way that uh, Vettel's now going to Racing Point uh, to uh, replace uh, Perez. So yeah, yeah, you know, that's just my two cents. Uh, take it uh, as uh, as you will. Anyways, um, Lance Stroll is going to be the only driver who's going to get uh, the, the the upgrades on the racing point uh, at uh, at the Russian Grand Prix this weekend. So you can see why Perez is starting to get a little bit uh, bitter and angry about uh, these uh, sorts of things. Uh, so he's going to have the exclusive uh, use of these upgrades uh, at Sochi. And uh, because the team actually, it's not that they're hiding anything for uh, Perez. They just simply uh, ran out of time uh, to get it to him. I mean, he obviously, Stroll is uh, the son of uh, Lawrence Stroll, who, uh, you you know, this is basically the, the biggest investor in the whole thing and the, the whole the, the man and the the, uh, the the real push behind this whole uh, rebranding of Aston Martin both as a, a Formula One team and also uh, off the track with the with the parent uh, company so anyways uh, a stroll is going to be the only one getting the uh, the uh, uh, the updates for uh, the Russian Grand Prix this weekend anyways uh, sticking with uh, Sergio Perez uh, Gunther Steiner the team principal at Haas is that uh, taking on Checo Perez uh, even though that he's fast and well liked uh, as a driver, uh, b- both within his team and uh, in Formula One uh, as a whole, is uh, not necessarily what he calls a no-brainer for Haas uh, F1. So, of course, uh, they're looking at their options uh, for for next year. They they have um, uh, Roman Grosjean and uh, Kevin Magnussen as their driver lineup uh, this year. They've uh, had these uh, same drivers for the past uh, couple of years, and uh, it's interesting because neither of them have a contract uh, for for next year. And, well, you know, honestly, 
when, when you have like uh, guys like uh, Sergio Perez, Nico Hulkenberg out there that don't currently have uh, drives in Formula One, I think that uh, if you're Gunther Steiner, if you're Gene Haas, that you got to look at guys like that because. I think that that Haas is a team that they they've kind of lost their way a little bit. I'm really hoping that that this new cost cap structure that's coming in, this new era, is going to be better for them. But regardless, I think that this is a team that just needs a bit of a, a reboot. I know that the car hasn't been the greatest. You know, there's been some incidents between Grosjean and and Magnussen on the track. I don't know if you want to bring one of those guys back out of those two. But you know, for me, I think that uh, that they need a bre- breath of fresh air. They need a re- reboot, and uh, I think they should replace one or both of those guys uh, for, for next year. I mean, certainly Grosjean. I mean, uh, no disrespect to him, but I mean, he's been in Formula One long enough. And certainly, if it was going to happen for that, you know, for for him, it would have happened uh, by by now. Um, you know, I mean, he's a decent driver, but I mean, every once in a while, I mean, he does something that just uh, really makes you uh, just uh, shake your head in in dis uh, disbelief. Anyways, but uh, you know, despite the fact that uh, that Perez is out there, he's he's well liked. Uh, he's he's a fast driver, and uh, he's uh, got a, a good uh, sponsor and lots of support. Uh, you know, from the sponsors uh, back in Mexico. You know, Steiner says uh, still. That, that doesn't mean that he's a, an automatic uh, replacement for for uh, either Magnuson or or uh, Roman Grosjean. Anyways, uh, Steiner to say, quote, there's nothing at the moment which is a no-brainer because there are so many options. You need to make the best decision for the team mid to long term, not only the intermediate, because immediately we don't have an issue, uh, but we need to see where we want to go in the mid to long term because that is where the opportunity is, in my opinion. We need to fix that one. It's not just uh, we need some quick cash for next year. We're actually fine with that it's a mid to long term how can we get better how can we get the best out of the team how can we get back to the performance of 2018 and better i think there's more opportunity now with the budget cap coming in from next year's onwards and for the new regulations from 2022 for sure Checo was a good driver i would never doubt him but he's uh the the best for the mid to to long term i don't know that is what we are discussing so therefore it is not such a a no-brainer as it seems to be end quote so very interesting there that uh you know it's not a question of money and the fact that uh that uh, perez would uh, bring you know a lot of money with him uh, from from the sponsors apparently uh, according to uh, to steiner they have a uh, you know, there's no issues on the funding front uh, for for next year, so that that's good to know. But I think uh, you know they're they're going to really do their homework uh, to uh, decide what they're going to do with their 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 drivers. But like I say, I'm firmly in the camp that uh, that they need to replace one or both of those drivers at Haas. Like I say, that that team just needs a, a reboot, and I think uh, getting some uh, some good drivers, or at least one good driver in there for next year, would uh, would certainly uh, you know do a lot to you know to, to, to help that reboot uh, take place. Anyways, uh, Roman Grosjean says that uh, if he actually does lose his seat at Asset, uh, sorry. F1 uh, next year says he still has uh, options in uh, other racing uh, series uh, because, like I was saying, uh, the, apparently has a short list of up to ten drivers, which you know, in fairness, do include Grosjean, Magnussen, uh, who they're considering uh, for for next year. But anyways, uh, Grosjean uh, does said uh, you know has said that uh, there, there are other options uh, from him uh, for him uh, next year in uh, different uh, different ones. He's he's mentioned uh, IndyCar, he's mentioned uh, Le Mans in the World Endurance Championship 
Championship, Formula E. So, you know, he, he's obviously, uh, he, he, well, I mean, who knows uh, if that's just a, you know, a public statement that he's making or he really does have uh, some options uh, available to him. So at least uh, I, I think that uh, the, the fact that, uh, you know, he's uh, you know coming out and saying that uh, certainly maybe gives you an idea of uh, what uh, he's uh, thinking uh, may actually happen uh, for, for next uh, for next year. So who knows? I wouldn't actually be too surprised if uh, Grosjean left and uh, maybe uh, Magnussen uh, stuck uh, stuck around. Anyways, uh, a couple of uh, things here just before we touch on uh, a couple of uh, just uh, just uh, look very briefly at the Russian uh, Grand Prix. But uh, the Formula One team bosses they've gotten behind an idea of rotating the calendar in the future so they get uh, you know new and fresh uh, races uh, each and every year in Formula One. And uh, I, I think this uh, really has to do with just how good of a race we saw at Mugello a couple of uh, weeks ago. So the the, the 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 idea of having this rotating schedule is to be able to visit new uh, venues rather sticking to what has become a very rigid and and you know inflexible uh, uh, calendar. And then we've also seen uh, you know venues uh, pull out just uh, because of uh, different uh, issues that they have in hosting them and the costs and things like that. And I, I think it'd be good you know if you can kind of keep a core a group of races or or cycle them around where you get a nice mix of the classics and new tracks say like uh, Vietnam and then also even like the Dutch Grand Prix at, uh, at Zunfort I think that uh, would uh, be grace, uh, great uh, anyways uh, Total Wolf uh, said that you know that switching up the calendar and rotating around would be uh, a, a great idea and a solution uh, for Formula One I think that's one of the positives that uh, we're actually seeing in this uh, this you know this uh, weird COVID uh, landscape that we're living in in uh, 2020 is it's really uh, you know, forced all of us to look at things in a completely different light, and they're, they're doing the same thing in Formula One as well. Anyways, uh, Toto had to say, uh, I think it's a quote, It's uh, I think it's an interesting new concept that was born out of the necessity to have more races in this COVID era, and it's interesting. You can certainly see more vulnerability. Teams show up with a lot, uh, not a lot of uh, knowledge from these tracks, and you can see that performances are very different uh, to a track where we've been a lot of times. You come to the Nürburgring, you come to Silverstone, and we've been there for every single year. So there's not a lot you can optimize just by being creative or being flexible in the thinking because we've been there so many times. <clears throat> Excuse me. End quote. So, yeah. Well, I mean, just from that uh, from from that standpoint alone, I mean, uh, you know, Barcelona. I mean, the, the the drivers can basically drive around there with their eyes closed because they uh, they 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 test there so much, and uh, you know, it's been on the calendar for years. But uh, I just like the idea that, you know, you could switch it up, have some uh, different tracks uh, every year. I think it would be fresh. I think it'd be a, a really cool uh, thing to see in, in Formula One. I certainly hope that it gets uh, pursued because I think, you know, when we see, uh, you know, tracks like the Nürburgring or Mugello or even like Imola, uh, Turkey, for example, they, they, they have, you know, they've, they've lost their Formula One uh, race uh, for whatever reason over the years to get it back and, and have them and, uh, you know, kind of rotate them back in and out. I think it, it works. It, uh, I, I think it's uh, something that they really need to, uh, to take a look at. Anyways, uh, just talking about the Eiffel Grand Prix that uh, we're going to see at the, the Nürburgring in just a couple of short weeks from now. Uh, there are tickets on sale for it, and there's going to be 20,000 seats available uh, for the race, and uh, they actually uh, figure that it's going to, to be a, a sellout. So it's going to be the first time we're going to see a race at the Nürburgring, and of course this is one of these emergency replacements, uh, or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, emergency venues that came onto the calendar late in the year because of uh, everything that we've uh, the turmoil that was uh, brought on uh, by uh, uh, by covid and this is the first return to the Nürburgring in in 7 years and uh, it's it's really cool uh, to see so you know good to see 
that uh, there's going to be fans here, but it's just really weird, you know, just what, with everything's just happening, just with the pandemic in general. I mean, our prime minister here said uh, in Canada, we're already into the second wave and certainly we're seeing it around the world, but still, you know, you can go and get uh, a ticket to go to a Formula One race in, in Germany. Obviously, there's going to be physical distancing and all those uh, things because, you know, when I was there 20 years ago, there were a lot more people in there than uh, 20,000. I mean, it was probably 120,000. I mean, of course, that was kind of like peak Schumacher era. So, of course, there were a lot of people there. But still, I mean, if you can get 20,000 people in there all socially distanced and all that good stuff in this uh, COVID era, then that that would be cool. And uh, certainly it is good to see that uh, that there are some fans coming back. I mean, we saw a few fans in the stand of Mugello a couple of weeks ago, but I still think it's amazing to think that uh, they're going to put 100 grand in to the stands in Turkey in uh, you know several weeks from now. Again, that is not the capacity of the track, but goes to show you that um, what with uh, you know some out of the box uh, thinking and uh, you know following public health uh, health measures and those things and social distancing that these things can actually uh, go on uh, you know for the time being while this uh, you know pandemic is uh, still. A thing while it's still a health crisis and all of that. Anyways, uh, just before we go here, just want to look uh, quickly at uh, at the race. Of course, uh, we are going back to uh, Sochi uh, for the Russian Grand Prix. This has uh, you know been on the calendar now for quite a good number of years. Uh, it first came onto the Formula One calendar way back in uh, 2014, and it is well, it is an interesting track. It's not really a road track, but it kind of is, just the way that it's kind of um, sandwiched in between all those Olympic venues there uh, where they had the, the the Sochi Olympics way back in in 2014 it is a 5.848 kilometer or 3.634 miles long 18 turns uh, lap record is uh, in race lap record is uh, was set by Lewis Hamilton last year that's a 135.761 the overall outright lap record was set uh, at the uh, the 2018 Russian Grand Prix. I think it was in qualifying, must have been. Uh, I haven't written that down, but that is held by uh, Valtteri Bottas in the, uh, the Mercedes W09. And his time was an eye-watering 131.387. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what times we see the guys uh, set in quali on Saturday, see if they can come anything uh, close to that. And predictions for this one, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a tight race between Hamilton and and Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri finished here P3 both in 2014 and uh, and 15 and then in 2016 he finished there in P4. Um, those two podiums uh, that he had in 14 and 15 were in the Williams as was the P4 and then the past three years he won it in 2017. I think that was his, actually his first Grand Prix win wasn't it? In, in Formula 1 was 2017. I have to go and check on that. And then the last two seasons was uh, he finished a second uh, 2018 of course there was that uh, bit of a controversial moment when there was the team orders and he was asked to slow down and all that but the fact is Sochi is a track that uh, that seems to suit uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, you know uh, quite uh, quite well he's obviously uh, very fast there and I on, honestly I think that he's overdue a bit of luck I think he's overdue a, a, a win he certainly has had a, a bit of bad luck uh, this year in some of the, uh, the, the 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 things that have happened you know the bad start that he had in well a good number of races that have uh, really uh, you know put him further down in the uh, the, the the drivers champion 
championship away from Lewis Hamilton than uh, obviously he would like. But uh, like I say, this is a track that uh, that he does uh, well at, and I think uh, I, I think this is going to be a race uh, for for Valtteri Bottas. I'm I'm calling it right now, uh, Bottas P1, Hamilton P2, and I'm going to go with Max Verstappen rounding out uh, P3 for the for the podium. So there you go, and we'll come back. We'll talk about it on Sunday night in the in the post race uh, report. And I guess that is a good segue to go into the outro for the show because uh, I'm out of time. And so, again, as always, thank you so much for downloading and listening to the show. If you want to help uh, support us, uh, the best and easiest way is just to head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and listen to your podcast and leave a rating and review. And, of course, if you want to get in touch with the easiest way is to do so on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod or via email at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. That's a wrap. Enjoy the race. I'll be back on Sunday night to talk about it and wrap it up with all of you. And until then, have a great weekend and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.